It's Wednesday, August 19th. Welcome to Market Fooleries. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday, my friend. Thank you. It is a happy Wednesday. It is a happy Wednesday, because you're off to London tonight. I am. Yes. Armed with information from our listeners who very generously uh, wrote in to say, hey, here are some things. That's the kind of listeners you have. The, the, I, but when you say dozens, yes, like is like like four dozen or like just dozens, twelve dozen, plural, dozens of dozens. Yesterday we talked about Walmart and Home Depot. Today we're going to talk Target and Lowe's. Uh, we will also dip into the full mailbag and and the rare bit of good news out of China for young brands. We will get to that, but let's start with Target. Uh, second quarter results, profit and revenue both. Better than expected. Their online sales are looking pretty good. Um, I think we are just about at the one-year anniversary of Brian Cornell taking the CEO job at Target, and it is—I uh, I would be stunned if anyone looked at this first year for him as anything but an unqualified success. Yes, and we've we've talked about my personal belief that the key to life is having an easy act to follow. Uh, especially in a CEO job, uh, and and uh, uh, Mr. Cornell d- did have a pretty easy act to follow, and has followed it well. Right. And, and so, when you are not just uh, having an easy act to follow, but do a good job, then you get uh, all the benefits of both. How much of uh, what we've seen over the last year is? Uh, I don't want to say low hanging fruit, but it, but it does seem like you know to your point. An easy act to follow. Greg Steinhoffel, in the five or so years that he was the CEO of Target, uh, really did not do a good job. There was the whole, whole debacle with um, trying to expand into Canada, um, and just just from the standpoint of the stock performance, Target shares under Steinhoffel's uh, tenure as CEO just basically kind of went nowhere. Uh, so, so a, a little bit of I have to assume at least a little bit of this with Brian Cornell was well, gosh, if I just do a little bit better, the stock's going to move. But I also have to believe that the second year gets harder. I suppose I don't think that uh, right that everything uh, that could be done gets done in the first year, but you can find some easy things uh, to solve. You don't have. Uh, the decision maker has to defend things, so the things that seem obvious to do are easy to do for somebody who's coming in fresh. Uh, but you know, there there are always little things that they can do to improve. Uh, that was one of the things that they uh, mentioned uh, on, in this report: is they're focusing on uh, signature product lines, uh, the health and wellness, and baby children's categories, promoting those, featuring those on the website more. This is all a product of just having better data, uh, and and they'll have better data twelve months from now than they have now on on what works. Testing, you know, we run, uh, we we work for a company that runs a website and is constantly testing what works uh, in in front of people, and and you get better and better at it, which is part of the general margin improvement story across the economy and across publicly traded companies. And one of the reasons why. Margins, profit margins are so high, hitting a new record level again last quarter for for the S and P five hundred. People just get marginally better because of the availability of data. Shares of Target up thirty five percent over the past year. Uh, 
is this an expensive stock? It, I mean, even with that run, it still, it still doesn't seem all that expensive, especially since, you know, beyond just sort of the improvements that we've seen, they had the deal recently with CVS Health, where they basically turned over all of their in-store pharmacies to CVS Health, which, beyond the fact that CVS Health writes them a big check for that, I also look at that as a sign that Cornell and his team are willing to look at every single part of their business and say, essentially, we can improve in any part of our business. And by the way, any part of our business is up for grabs. Yeah, and that that is the advantage of coming in fresh and and not having to defend previous decisions, ones that might look to a neutral observer like they could go either way, or uh, that that this was uh, this has some say say that you were the CEO and you aligned previous to the the alignment with CBS and you say yeah you know I think we get a little better we can we can make the kind of margins we can make the kind of profits we want on this somebody else coming in could say yeah I just don't see that as part of our core competency CBS can do that we can take the capital that we would put into that and and align it with the things that we're best at and and there's going to be some of that for the next 12 months as you say the second year uh, is maybe not looking at the lowest hanging fruit but you can't get everything done a company this size that you would want to get done in the first 12 months Lowe's second quarter profit came in higher than a year ago revenue was a little light um, CEO Robert Niblock <laughs> called the quarter solid which I, I always I don't know the tone of his voice when he said that, but I it just sort of struck me a little bit as damning with faint praise. Like, yeah, this was a solid quarter. I mean, it wasn't a bad quarter, but it, it, it I, I, again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it seemed like there was a little bit of a, ah, oh, we, we could have done better. It's not, not hitting it out of the park, but it, the stock is up on a down day from the market. So, solid is better than uh, some others are doing today in the eyes of uh, market investors. I think that the same store sales numbers were uh, lower for this last quarter. Uh, they were up four, over 4%, but this was the lowest up number for the last four, five, six quarters. Uh, so, that, so, the increases are uh, slowing, uh, still above four percent comps, pretty good. Uh, home category looks good there, uh, solid in in the sense that they're in the right place at the right time at the moment for home. That doesn't always go your way. Home Depot is, I think you talked about this yesterday, uh, doing a little bit better than solid right now, and so by comparison, Lowe's looks, you know, poor by the comparison. But uh, as I say, this is uh, the comps are up. Uh, they were hit a little bit on the earnings number by the tax rate. Nobody really cares quarter to quarter if the tax rate is the reason uh, why you, you missed your, your expectation or the consensus expectation. Uh, revenues were solid. I, I think that you know everything seems to be going fine. You mentioned margins earlier, and when you look at the operating margins for Lowe's, they're, they're not bad. They're a little under 8%. Um, but Home Depot again putting up operating margins eleven and a half percent. It it does seem like just on the operational level, while both of these businesses are doing well, both these stocks are doing well. It does seem like Home Depot is a slightly better operator. Yeah, and I, I think that's been 
historically the case, although certainly Home Depot has, has tripped uh, along the way at times. Certainly, none of these things are... I believe we, we call that the Nardelli era. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to the easy acts to follow motif. Right. Uh, I think that it's it's you're right. I mean, Lowe's is a very solid company, which is up against a uh, clear number one competitor that gives them uh, one thing that not everybody has, which is a, a clear target to chase. Um, and they are going to continue to chase it. Uh, Home Depot is not not making it easy for them. We've talked about a lot of retailers this week, and certainly some of the biggest: Home Depot, Lowe's, Target, Walmart. You look at this earnings season at some of the same store sales numbers that are being put up, the positive same store sales, and certainly in the you know Target, Home Depot, Lowe's. Um, you know we've seen others as well. Uh, TJ Maxx, I think, you know, put up some some pretty nice comps. And it, it, what it says to me is big picture. If you're an investor who is looking at the retail space. And you own a stock where they've got either flat or negative comps. I think you need to take a very hard look at whether or not you need to just cut that stock loose, because across a range of retail industries, consumers are spending money. And you know, if you've got a retail stock and comps are flat or negative, then that's just one of those things where no, no, no. It's not that consumers aren't spending money; they're just not spending money at that place. Not at that place, and maybe not on that category. There is, over the last five years or so, a tendency for people to spend more on the consumer side on experience rather than on things. Uh, that's at a, at a very high level. It's certainly not true of everybody. I've got a, this is actually not a cup of Starbucks in front of me today, but uh, you know that that is. Although Starbucks does a good job of selling. Itself somehow as an experience, yes, uh, which not every restaurant does. Um, so it, it gets the benefit of that. Although I don't think that everybody thinks they're they're going for an experience when they go to a Starbucks. Uh, but something like a, a Target or, or Walmart, not not really playing to that in any way. So you're uh, a lot of your vacation oriented. Uh, retail stocks and companies have been doing very well. The cruise liners, uh, many of the hotels. I, I think that is where some spending patterns have changed in the last couple of years. But things, we're Americans, we buy things, and that's going to keep keep happening. So uh, that may be moving up at two to four percent, something like that. Homes is all over the place from from year to year. Uh, and and right now the you know the experience is is a larger share than it had been. Well, and just as we've seen over the last few weeks with the most recent quarters put up by Expedia and Priceline, I mean they're those are those are two experience oriented stocks that are that are certainly doing well. You can follow us on Twitter at MarketFoolery is our handle on the Twitter. Uh, referring back to uh, when you and Charlie Travers were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, got a message on Twitter from Drew Morris. You can tell Bill Barker that there is a National Penguin Day, January twentieth. I, I didn't realize that in America, every four years we inaugurate a president on National Penguin Day. 
But I, but I, by the way, shouldn't National Penguin Day be in January? Not to nitpick. nitpick okay. But, but my my brief. <laughs> but you're going to my brief analysis uh, of this was that this was Worldwide Penguin Day, which in one sense is bigger. Yes. But in another sense, it's not national. This is this is a global mandate that we celebrate penguins, not a congressional one. Right. Right. You know what? I trust the worldwide mandate over necessarily a, a congressional mandate. When it comes to penguins. When it comes to penguins. Uh, and it would seem silly to have a National Penguin Day, which is, I think, why I raised the possibility right. of silly national days. But right. worldwide. Because if you think about the 50 states in our country, most of them are penguin free. Yes. In a natural state. Maybe, you know, you go to uh, Alaska. Where are penguins? The penguins are all, aren't they? They're southern, South Pole, right? Wow. Now we're just completely displaying our ignorance about natural wildlife. Puffins. Much like the penguin. Speaking of penguins, you see um, um, Opus is back. The the penguin. The comic strip character. Opus the penguin from Bloom County. From Bloom County. That's right. That's about the, uh, as much as I can say about penguins and puffins. Yeah, that's. That Opus actually is based more on a puffin than a a penguin. He doesn't look at all like a penguin. Wow. You know what? Right now, we've got at least one listener who knows a whole lot about natural wildlife who is just furious right now, like, these, these guys are idiots. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, and you know what? We kind of yes, are on this yes, topic. I mean, that, but there's another listener who just learned that Bloom County is back. Yes. And is happy to have learned that. Hopefully. Thank Chris. <laughs> right in and thank Chris for, for finally learning something of use to your life exactly. during this podcast. Radio at fool.com is our email address uh, from Cody Terrell in Branson, Missouri, following up on our conversation yesterday about Markel. Uh, Cody writes, on the note of weird things that Markel insures, I worked at Markel in Chicago screening insurance applicants, and occasionally I would see weddings or birthday parties being insured. I can see the wedding being insured. I I don't know how extravagant a birthday party one would need to throw to feel like, you know what, for this amount of money that we're shelling out for this party, we better get some insurance. It's not our demographic, is it? It is, it is not our demo. Absolutely not. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, shares of Yum! Brands up on the news uh, of a new leader in their China division, Mickey Pant, has been named the CEO of Yum! China. Um, uh, Mr. Pant has been with Yum! for 10 years. Um, and I'm, my assumption is that he is highly regarded because the stock's up about 2-3% today, and China accounts for about half of Yum's sales. So, uh, speaking of easy acts to follow. Well, I, I, let me take the other side of that. And oh, that, okay. By all means, argue how Yum Brands has been crushing it in China over the last couple of years. This the, will be the, great. The, the, <laughs> the departing CEO of, of uh, China Yum Brands uh, has been around for longer than the last two years. And so, the build from, uh, I think the tenure goes back to, uh, it, it, it's more than a decade. And I think that the job that has been done uh, over the entire tenure uh, has been very impressive. Now, the the mistakes and the trip ups from third party providers, which you still have to answer for, but is a little bit different than than the mistakes you know within your own house, um, does detract from from the legacy of, of the departing uh, Yum Brands uh, China CEO. But I, I think that the entire job was was a not such an easy one to follow. Yes, the the last two years, yes, very much. Um, now I think 
rather than the the individual uh, coming into the seat being uh, respected and that being the market's reaction, I have no reason to doubt that that he is highly respected. Uh, but it, it, as well, you're getting uh, louder rumors that there's uh, that the investors who are pushing for a spinoff of Yum China, that this might be a part of that. And you've got a, a J.P. Morgan uh, analyst coming out a day or two ago or last week saying that uh, he thought that the company was talking about this m- more along the lines of a probability than a possibility for a spinoff. And you know sometimes that's something that some investors want to see. So I don't know that this is a precursor to that or makes it more likely, uh, but you're seeing that speculation. Let's say for the sake of argument that Yum Brands does that they spin off Yum China. And then you are left with what? KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell um, here in the U.S. Yes. And of those two, which and, would you and rather India own? and India, India, yep. which is potentially just as as attractive a long term market. Uh, so and international, the the non. I mean, if you're just and I don't know who's pushing for what version of what spinoff, but China, yes, very big. Uh, but not all of the growth, not all of the international growth. But are you interested? How closely are you interested, or how closely are you looking at just the non-China business? Like if they say the U.S., the yeah, North America it, business. Yeah, is that one where you just go, okay, Mor- I might be interested in that? Moribund. No, moribund. I'm, moribund. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, are you? I mean. Is it as big a part of your life as it once was? Um, no, it's not. Although I look at what they have, and de- you're a proxy for everything in America, <laughs> as listeners know. No, not even remotely. But Dunkin' Donuts, just as big a part of your life as it used to be. Oh, probably bigger than it used to be. And look at the stock. Yeah, Starbucks. Starbucks. Just as big, yep. getting bigger all the time. Absolutely. You are sort of, you know, the bellwether. For restaurant stocks in America, I don't know about that. But what I was going to say is, when I look at what they've done with Taco Bell and the growth just within that division, that was one where I, I thought maybe a year or two ago that they would they might consider just spinning off Taco Bell because that seemed to be the strongest of the units here in the states. Yeah, but I mean, you've got too many units now that are multi-purposed, uh, and, and I think the spinoff of of one of of those, you know, you, you walk into many of these, and it's KFC and Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, and little express things for for all of them. And I, I think that there are some synergies there, and, and to spin off one one of those would be uh, less easy than you think. Here in the states, uh, the news around KFC is that just a couple of months after Daryl Hammond a veteran of Saturday Night Live, was unveiled as the new Colonel Sanders in TV commercials. Now comes the news that he's being replaced by Norm MacDonald, also a veteran of SNL. What what do you think is going on here? Do you think that they just look... We've already discussed this on this show. But, I mean, do you think that Hammond was just Easy acts to follow. (laughs) Not that Daryl Hammond in general is an easy act to follow, but his interpretation of the Colonel... Was not well received, yeah. seemingly. I saw one quote from uh, the CEO. Uh, I think it's Greg Creed, who who admitted that um, they they had done some surveys and that one in five people hated was the word hated 
the Daryl Hammond commercials, and he just said, "Well, you know, it, it, at least they're not indifferent." Okay, I suppose I suppose that there is a silver lining to that, but that that means that twenty percent, at least twenty percent of people, just hate. And for me, it wasn't that it was Daryl Hammond. It wasn't his impression of Colonel Sanders. It was the fact that I didn't understand what he was saying. At least the the commercials I've seen thus far with Norm Macdonald, the ones that I've seen online. Yes, he's Colonel Sanders, but he's actually talking about the value proposition of eating at the restaurant. Whereas Daryl Hammond was just. I don't know what was going on. There's there. less cackling now. You're saying, and less insanity. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was it. It's like, how about if we get a new guy to play the colonel, and let's cut down on the insanity and the cackling, and this, let's let's do more of the food. Uh, what the the quote was about? At least they're not indifferent. I think is is trying to go along the lines of there is no such thing as bad publicity, right? And and that is that for all. Of the controversy, if there, if it could be elevated to that level, Colonel Gate. Uh, <laughs> this is not a gate. <laughs> this is not elevated to the level of a gate. Can something be elevated to the level of a gate? I think that it's a dissension yeah. when it, it's it's a gate. Uh, By all means, continue. I can't remember where I was going with that, but I, I think it did. If is there any such thing in this arena as as bad publicity? We're talking about it right now. Norm Macdonald coming out and doing Colonel Sanders made headlines of some sort. You know, CNN. Uh, that people are noticing the commercials, and so that is something, right? That that is gaining some sort of mind share. And after all, people either like the chicken or don't, and it may just be reminded of the existence of KFC, which they may have forgotten about. I think my favorite part of this story is that there was a spokesperson for KFC who insisted that Daryl Hammond was not fired. It's like, really? Because he was trotted out with much fanfare, and it took only a couple of months of really terrible reviews for you guys to go, ah, yeah, we're going to need another colonel. Well, he may not be fired. It's not like he was an employee. They're still paying him whatever they agreed to pay him. They're just not going to use him anymore. Thanks for being here, and have a great trip in London. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.